we can help you make money while you're getting out of debt. That's not for everyone. That's not every situation, but we've definitely done it before. And it's a lot of fun of, hey, we're going to help you get out of the land of not enough and quickly reach a land of more than enough. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, Arizona, to the Azria Show, where we are all about providing information for investors throughout Arizona and the states within the West Coast, but we also go far outside of that. So today we want to talk about infinite banking with unbridled wealth. So infinite banking or private family banking, which I'll let them get into, but it's a resource for you in order for you to use alternate investment strategies in order to acquire properties and invest and to help your your family and yourself in the future. So what I want to do right now, I just want to go around the table here real quick and make sure we do a brief introduction with everyone and let everyone know who we have here on the podcast today and how they'll be able to benefit. We'll have, you know, I'll be asking some in-depth questions. Mike will be asking some in-depth questions as well, and we'll jump right in. But before we do that, I always want to check in with my co-host, Mike Delpreet, the Executive Director of Azria. How are you doing today, Mike? Great, Marcus. Thanks for checking in. How are you doing, man? You're great, Marcus. Thanks for checking in. I'm doing our, I'm doing great, Mike. I'm doing excellent, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, did, you have, uh, did you have your coffee today? Espresso, anything like that? Yeah, I had a, a venti. Okay. All right. Big time. <laughs> Okay, so, well, we probably yeah. need to get you another. You can see my enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pumped up. <laughs> All right, so let's kind of go around. Jason, let's start with you. Tell us who you are, what you're going to be contributing today. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having us. Uh, we're really pumped about this. I, I get really pumped up to be able to share this kind of stuff. Just with my background, you know, I've owned a couple of businesses. I had uh, a real estate investment business for a long time. I actually started out wholesaling. Got into fix and flips a little bit later, did the buy and holds after that, got into commercial, which is where I'm at now. And and I've been able to, I, I found out about this into the banking concept along the way. Loved it so much. I decided I would get into this as a career so I could teach other people and and my hardest real estate investors in particular. So yeah, I'm in the perfect spot right now. Wow, great, great, great. How how about you, Jack? Yeah, thanks for having us on. My name is Jack from Tucson, so local here to Arizona. I have a more traditional finance background. I studied finance at University of Arizona, interned at Morgan Stanley, was kind of a stock market guy for a while. And then a couple of years back, heard about the infinite banking concept. And it was a big paradigm shift for me as I began to understand how banking works and just the advantages to having control of capital to be able to deploy it whenever opportunities come. And as that relates to real estate, I I bought a property, our first property in May, and I'm in the middle of a house hack and love being a part of this community to hear about different strategies and places to focus. And 
want want to help people undergird that with IBC, obviously. So happy to be here. Great, great, great. And then we'll wrap it all up with the boss who's going to be in charge today, Olivia McGraw. Olivia, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, thanks great, for having great. us on. Um, all right, introduce it. Right. So as Marcus said, I'm Olivia McGraw, and I've been with Unbridled Wealth for three years. What's fun is that we're all practitioners. So we all actually started off as clients of Unbridled Wealth and then fell in love with what they do and I have to offer and decided that we wanted to join the team and be part of helping other people do what we've learned. So my husband and I started our first policy infinite banking concept after the birth of our oldest daughter, who's now four and have used our policy to finance. We were the bank for buying our car on our own. And we can go into, we've had to learn some of the things, some of the flexibility of this concept, the hard way. The beauty is that there's flexibility involved, but had to take a a break on making payments back on our car due to a a lofty bill that we received from Uncle Sam two weeks after buying our vehicle. And so because we were the bank, we were able to hit pause on those payments and and then set up um, payments about a year and a half later. But normally, if you don't pay for your car, somebody hauls it away for you. So anyway, so we're practitioners wow. and uh, we, we got to keep the car. And I'm writing an article on that right now, too. So that's a plug for Azria. That's what the next article is about. It's the flexibility of what we're doing because you can't predict for the unknown. So but it's also our retirement account, how we'll pay for our, our daughter's education. And we're actually hoping next year our goal is to start our real estate investment empire, if you will, with the tiny two little houses, but that's kind of, yeah. So. Well, that's great. That's great. And and, and that's, that's actually a great segue, Olivia, because we wanted to talk about some of the benefits of infinite banking. But before we do that, if any one of you want to jump in and just give us a definition or kind of an overarching scope of what infinite banking is. Yeah, I, I can cover that for us. So infinite banking is all about the, the banking process. Most people are used to using actual banks. We deposit our money with them. And then when we need to make a bigger purchase or investment, we, we borrow our money from them as well. Because banks operate with the fractional reserve system, they only need to keep 10% of deposits on hand and can loan out the rest. When you can consider the spread, we're getting what 0.1% on our savings account and yep. banks are loaning that out for 3% on mortgages to 25% on credit cards and often making quadruple digit returns on just this process of controlling money and lending it out. So infinite banking steps in with the vehicle of whole life insurance. And we structure it in a certain way so that the premiums you pay in, it purchases as little death benefit as possible so that the policy still qualifies as insurance and gives tax advantages. But the majority of your premiums going into something called the cash value, where it grows guaranteed tax advantaged long-term But the big difference is from banks, rather than withdrawing your money when you need to invest or make a major purchase, withdrawing interrupts the growth of your savings usually. If you take that out of a bank Mm -hmm. account, it's not going to grow for you anymore. So you lose out on the opportunity cost of what your 100000 becomes over the next 
40 right. years. In a policy, that 100,000 continues growing uninterrupted for life while you borrow against it to invest in something else. And because so wait, of the- wait, 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 Jack, let me, let me <laughs> kind of wrap my head around it. Yeah, so yeah. If I have $100,000 in the policy and I want to go and buy a car for $30,000, mm-hmm. my $100,000 policy is still $100,000. It didn't decrease to $70,000, correct? Correct. Yeah. I'm, that- still, gaining, I'm still gaining un- interest on $100,000, even though I use $30,000 of that $100,000. That's correct. Yeah. And not just interest, your your $100,000, the full amount is compounding. So it's not even like traditional insurance or traditional interest rates. We're talking like compounding interest on the full amount that's in that you put into the system. And the reason why reason why I asked that is because I was looking for and and I'm going to speak personally. So, Arizona, please just hold on for one second, one moment. I was thinking personally about, you know, what investment vehicles that we can get into that have great compounding interest. Because we know that that's the sixth wonder of the world is compounding interest. So you guys just answered that question for me. And I'm pretty sure for thousands of other listeners right now that have that same question. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that got me like, that was my whole, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask. I'm like, all right, we put a hundred thousand in, we pull out third, like Marcus said. So technically I should have 70 in there. So my, cause I think it pays 4% or something your money that's sitting there is that yeah so right now with one of the products yeah okay so pays so you're so you're still getting paid your four percent on the hundred yeah while you're why i take my 30 and i go invest and maybe maybe lend it to uh, someone to do a fix and flip property Mm -hmm. wow that's a no-brainer right there yeah so it's basically (laughs) your your dollars are multitasking for you They're, they're growing in the policy and then they're out doing something else that hopefully is also profitable if you're, yeah, private money right. lending, invest in yourself. So, so even in Mike's scenario, my $100,000 is still gaining 4% interest while I take the $30,000 hypothetically, lend it out privately at 10%. So now I'm not only getting the 4% over here, but I'm getting 10% you know, from, from the investor. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay. my next question would be then on the hundred thousand I put in there, I start making four percent, right? And then I pull the 30 out. Now, is there a, a deal cut there between me and myself? Like, hey, I'm gonna borrow 30 from myself and I promise to pay X every month. Yep. So yeah, I'll I'll cover that quick. So the the interest there is an interest rate on your policy loan. Right now, that's 5%. We also have a bank partner that gives a 3.5% rate. So that, that's the amount that you're on the hook for. But how you pay that back is, is based on you. The carrier, your, your loan is basically from the death benefit. That's what is subtracted by 30000 when you take out a $30,000 loan. And if, if that loan remained outstanding for the rest of your life, the death benefit would actually pay it off before the rest was issued to your beneficiary. But in that, we want to be a good banker to ourselves Mm because as we pay back that 30,000 over time, we're able to borrow against the full amount of the cash value again. 
because when we take 30 out, a good way to think of it is with real estate. So your death benefits kind of like the market value of your policy, the cash values, the equity that you've stored up in it. And you can borrow 95% of the, the amount of equity, the cash value. Wow. But when that comes... So we, to be clear, you're saying if I put a hundred thousand, I can borrow ninety five thousand. Yeah, if a hundred thousand is in the cash value, you have access to borrow against ninety five of it. Is That's there criteria? Is it is like you know when you go get a bank loan, they're like, what's your credit score? Where's your job? Like, is there any criteria that's allowing you different levels of what you can borrow against your money? Nope, no. it's your money. They only request three to five business days to transfer it to your Wells Fargo account or wherever it's going. You can access it quicker. I'm notorious for Friday afternoon fire drills, but the (laughs) the carrier doesn't necessarily love that. And uh, so so what's the benefit? So, right. It kind of seems in a way like, oh my God, like this is amazing. So if I'm putting a hundred thousand into the policy then I go, I pull out, let's switch up the scenario and pull out 90. Mm-hmm. So, and now this policyholder is saying, hey, we'll still pay you 4% on a hundred grand. What's their yeah. benefit? Like, how does this make sense to me? <laughs> yeah. Jason, um, do you want to jump in here? <laughs> jump on it. Like, let's hear from Jason. Yeah. So, so backing up a little bit, we, we want to be careful because we're, we're kind of mixing terminology here. So if we have $100,000 and we buy a policy with it, year one is like your capitalization year, right? Year one is like you're starting a new business. So everybody's age, health, gender, you know, everything's different. And so the access year one will vary. We try to get everybody access to whatever goes in the first year, somewhere between 75 to 90 percent on a high right access year one okay. so 100,000 in 75 out 80,000 out 90,000 out okay year one however the way we structure policies is year two forward usually it's growing by year two or three it's growing at the rate you're putting in so if you put another 100,000 in it's growing 100,000 instead of the 75 of access the first year with me so far and then yeah. by year seven, on average, your cumulative that you put in over seven years um, gets beat out by the cash value. In other words, the cash value total exceeds the total amount you put in over that seven years, right? Because it's making up for that first year. But, but all you got to do is get to the second or third year. So by the second or third year, it's growing more than what you're putting in. So now the conversation we're having for clarity is we're talking, if we have a hundred thousand cash value, then we have access to 95% of the cash value, right? So let's call okay. it year two, we've got a hundred thousand in there, whatever cash value is that year. So now we can access 95% of that cash value on average, right? It varies, but for easy numbers, 95% of it. And it's an unstructured loan. So you decide, Hey, I'm going to take that. I'm going to keep it out for a year. I'm going to keep it out for six months. I'm going to keep it out for two years. Insurance carriers and asking, they're going to send you a bill once a year for the interest that's accrued that year, that 5% we referenced earlier in this case. And you could pay it or don't pay it. And if you don't pay it, we always say at least pay the interest, right? If you don't pay it, it's going to compound on the, the new balance of your loan the next year. But how nice would it be to not have, like you have a deal two months in, 
you open that wall up and whatever was behind that wall just added two more months to your deal, right? How many of you have been there? I've been there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and now the hard money guys are going, I hope you budgeted for six months. And you're like, yeah, but it was supposed to be done in four. And, you know, and, and so now the hard money, private money guys, they still want their payments. They don't care what's going wrong with the deal, right? So that's the right. beauty of having these unstructured loans now. Now it's unstructured. So if you need to delay paying yourself back, delay paying yourself back. Nobody's asking for it. Yeah. So, yeah. so the question was, what is the insurance company? What do they get? Well, so the insurance company, they're more concerned about the death benefit because they're insuring your life. And uh, so they have to be loaning this money out anyway. And so they're making investments that are above and beyond what you and I have access to. High interest loans to the government, to be honest. They might buy a, a sky rise in New York City. And so, yeah, we've talked to the chief investment officer with our primary carrier, and they're investing in conservative things like commercial real estate, corporate bonds, treasury bonds, things that are maturing at 8, 10% from 20 years ago. So that's kind of where all the premiums that a life, or a life insurance carrier is getting for all of their products are being invested in things that are earning returns so that they can guarantee the, the 4% contractual amount on a whole life policy. And then anything above that is dividends that go back to policyholders each year too. The carriers we use haven't missed a dividend in their whole existence. Mm -hmm. So they're basically willing to loan you as the policyholder money at 5% to earn about what they're hoping to make on their investments and be paid that back at some point over the life of the policy, whether you do it while you're living or the death benefit does it when you pass away. But whole life isn't one of the most profitable products for them. Term life insurance, which is what most Americans are familiar with, actually more than 98% of term policies never pay out a death benefit. Thankfully, people aren't dying young most of the time, right. but that's a far more profitable product for insurance carriers than whole life insurance. For an IBC structured policy, usually isn't profitable for the insurance carrier until year seven. So they're losing money on your policy for quite a while before they're in the, in the positive. Gotcha. So. This is, okay. yeah, it's a unique structure. It's not your Northwestern Mutual, hey, sign me up for this much on whole life insurance. So there's a way that we structure the base premium versus the paid up additions to create an efficient policy for clients. Okay, so if I come to you guys and I say, all right, we just finished the flip. I'm actually in one of our live flips here. I said, okay, I made 50K on this flip and I want to do something with it. I don't want to just, I want to I want to get into a whole life policy. What would I need to do or someone in a situation like me that has this cash value and I want to invest it into a product like that? What what would be the steps? So I think first and foremost we our preference is to take a holistic approach so it's going to be we we are here to help you draw lines from A to B, okay, financially speaking. So Let's sit down and look at your financial scenario, your financial situation, what your income, expenses, assets, liabilities, goals, objectives, and talk through all of that to make appropriate recommendations. Because sometimes people just, they go, I have 50000 what can I do with it? 
And it's, it's because it's not an investment product, right? We're not playing the stock market. So, and it's a whole life product, right? Whole life. So we want to equip you with the right product structure, structure the right way so that you can get the most value out of it. So let's say 50K, you know, we look at your financial snapshot and let's say you're going to be producing 50K a year in profits that you want to pump through a policy. And, and that's your minimum, right? And yep. so it's life insurance, first and foremost. You uh, got to take the med, the application and the med and then qualify. It's the qualification, the death benefit allowance is based on a variety of things, mostly annual income times X amount, depending on your age, gender, health, all these variables, right? But that's what we do in the background. And so we sit down and look at a strategy and go, hey, what can 50,000 do for you? Sometimes it's better to break it up. Let's break that up over a couple of years instead of just a big dump in one year. You know, okay. sometimes let's do a couple of years, 25 and 25. You know, we've got, we've got a client who, you know, they were sitting on about a hundred and, but the, because of the full financial snapshot, it, it didn't make sense to just pump a hundred in and be done. You couldn't really make it work. So we're going to break it up over five years. He's going to do 20 grand a year for five years. And, and it, it, you know, it, 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 it frees up. A little bit. He has plans, right? We had a plan, you know, and and, okay. and so he's just going to put twenty in a year, and that works. Okay. So and then with that twenty, are we just because I'm, I want to get down to the layman's so everybody understands. So I have this fifty k that we just cashed out. We just sold a property, had the fifty k, paid taxes on it, and it came out to net fifty k. And I say, hey, Jason, Jack. Olivia, here's my complete financial picture. You know, let's just use some round figures. Hey, I'm making $80,000 a year. My expenses are $50,000 a year. So I have 30,000 net every year, but I just got this windfall of 50K. What should I do? Should I just dump the whole 50 or should I go 10K a year for the next five years? Or like you said, 25, 25. Then the next step is, what, do I get a cashier's check and bring it to you guys or help me out? I got yeah. some money. I don't know what yeah. to do Yeah, what's with. the process? Yeah. yeah. So my initial thought would be, we would set up your ongoing commitment. So what, what you would need to absolutely get in every year within the flexibility of that 30,000 cash flow. So the 30 extra that you're bringing home every year that you're like, oh, this is my, my money for other investments. We would want your commitment to fit into that. So I would say maybe around 15,000. And just because we've been at this for a little while, I know roughly that would give us the option to use your extra 50 to overfund in year one. And so that 50 that you just made on your fix and flip would be available to you as soon as it touches the policy. And so the ongoing commitment, we could spread that out to be a monthly payment or or an annual one-time payment. But then the ongoing is the flexibility on that extra 50. So you could put in 25 one year, 50 the year after. There's, there's a range of flexibility within that to, to hit both kind of the high and low watermarks to keep the structure ongoing. 
What's the process for, for getting that in there? It's a simple, honestly, it sounds archaic. Sometimes the easiest way is literally a phone call, but we can also do it, do it over the phone or set up an initial bank transfer. You don't pay any money to us. The money never, we never touch the money. So that's between you and the insurance company. We're just kind of the the person linking arms with the insurance company okay. and you um, to make that transaction happen. So unlike getting a real estate license where you can kind of do your own deals, you actually have to be a licensed broker. So we have qualifications and, and regulations we have to abide by. And then we have to work with Unbridled Wealth, which is our, our kind of brokerage. And then, um, is that the right word for you guys? Why am I think, drawing a blank? Agency. Agency, yeah. Agency. And then the way we're licensed with Unbridled Wealth and then the insurance carriers. So we're, we have a couple of those to choose from. So we can often pick the best insurance carrier for our clients. We have a few favorites, undeniably, but we get to kind of see what products ha- they different carriers have and help select the best option for the clients. So, so, so Jane Smith can't just go to their all-state carrier and say, "This is something mm-hmm. creative I want to do." Correct. I want to speak kindly of other insurance carriers. Oh, okay. Well, let's, However, let's not say all. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I, I would not personally recommend a carrier that doesn't specifically specialize. The carriers we work with are called mutual insurance companies. And that means when you own a policy, you become an owner in the insurance company. And that means you get better rates as there's a lot of stock companies that are out there, like some of the ones you may have mentioned already. And they're, they're concerned with stocks and returns on stocks. And mutual insurance companies are, are concerned about dividends returned to their, to their customers and their policy owners. Gotcha. So we always say properly structured dividend paying whole life insurance. And we get wordy about it because it is with the mutual carrier, like Olivia said, not a stock company. It is properly structured. I'll give you context. My parents had their own independent insurance agency for 20 years. And I sat and showed my mom this several years ago. And she just sat there with her jaw dropped, shaking her head going, we never knew about this. Like the the carriers in general, they're not taught, they're they're taught to sell insurance, right? And and not, not how to create a product that can take over the banking function in your life, right? There's a difference. So so if you walk into a carrier off the street and say, hey, I got 50 grand, give me a whole life policy. I'm going to bank with it. That agent is going to have a big smile because he's got a paycheck coming. Yep. Because he's going to structure it way different, not to his fault per se, right? Just it's not what he's taught to do, you know? So on that point, Jason, so not all insurance companies are equal when it comes to this product. So can one of you go back into like the history of this, how the bankers created this and how they got rich and can you kind of share with the audience the background of it? Sure. Yeah. So whole life insurance has actually been around in the modern age since the 1700s. I think a Scottish Presbyterian church came up with the idea to care for widows and kids after people were dying. But in the more modern age, like even in old U.S. movies, you hear people talking about their insurance policies. I think before the 70s and 80s, that's when qualified plans 
came about and marketing around Wall Street and invest in the stock market for your retirement. That's when that got big. But before that, whole life insurance was kind of a main asset for American families. And Marcus earlier was talking about Walt Disney. He wasn't able to get a loan for the land to build Disneyland, but had uh, cash stored up in his whole life policy that he borrowed against to, to put a down payment on the land. Same with Ray Kroc at McDonald's. He paid early McDonald's employees with money from his policy. So this has been around for a while. It actually predates the tax code, which came out in 1913. So there's a lot of tax favorability and favorable legislation around it. I watched a documentary on taxes last year called The Power of Zero. And you watched a documentary on taxes, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's scary when you start looking at our country's financial situation. But yeah, they, yeah. they said one of the most unused kind of loopholes in the tax code is the income tax exemption on, on whole life insurance. Wow. So it's something that's been around, but you guys are probably aware of somewhat financial mainstream guys like Dave Ramsey bash whole life insurance. And it's because a lot like the structure that Jason just said of, if you just talk to any insurance agent, they won't structure a policy for you that's efficient. It'll be a huge death benefit at a huge premium cost and no cash value in year one. And not many people are looking for that. Like in that case, definitely buy term insurance. But a guy named Nelson Nash is the one who kind of brought the infinite banking concept into our more modern era and has a book called Becoming Your Own Banker that got in the handout to some people at Azria meetings. Kind of the guy, there you go. <laughs> Mike's got it on hand here. But there, there's a lot of great resources around IBC. We, we want to be educators first on this concept with people and really not sell you a policy and say, see ya, but set you up well to use it and be an advocate for you as you analyze investment opportunities and need to tap your policy for loans. We, we want to be a part of that with people. So, so to kind of dive into like, you know, just maybe some of the, the costs and I'm assuming, you know, people, everyone may be different or whatever, but you, you know, for the policy itself, like, is there a point where it doesn't make sense for someone to do this because I remember Marcus and I, we did like an IRA interview and it was just, you know, there's some fees. It's not a lot of fees, but if you're not going to work your money in your IRA and you can't, you know, it's not enough to cover the fees and all the, what goes into it, should you might not really be the best tool for that person. So is, what about the cost of, of putting this together? So the cost is only in your one. Okay. So everything else associated, that's where, you know, we say there's a crossover where <laughs> the cost of that insurance is overcome typically between around year seven. There's nuances again for age and gender and age, gender and income oh. and how it starts. Oh. Yeah. But really, I mean, one of my favorite policies was for a 17 year old girl who wanted to start one. And her base premium was $100 a month. Her overfunding amount that was building her bank was $200. And that's what she could get started with. And I love meeting with her because she's about, she's 20 years old now. 
And I'm like, you have an asset that has about $10,000 in it because it's starting to grow and take off. And so I don't like to disqualify anyone until we really dive into the numbers. Now, we definitely don't recommend if you have significant debts, we want to help you actually get out of debt first. Um, And by significant debts, I mean like the dirty debt of credit card, excessive credit card debt. If you're student loans, any of that, like actually we want to help people get out of the land of not enough first into the land of just enough. And then in the land of just enough, we can strategize on how to get you to the land of more than enough. And so again, we don't want you to necessarily disqualify yourself from this opportunity until we have more of a thorough explanation and and discovery of what your circumstances are. Because Jason is personally, I think Jason is a whiz at getting people who have significant debts and showing them like we can structure plans of we can help you make money while you're getting out of debt. That's not for everyone. That's not every situation, but we've definitely done it before. And it's a lot of fun of, hey, we're going to help you get out of the land of not enough and quickly reach the land of more than enough. Yeah. I think Um, sometimes it's a matter of just having that discovery conversation, right. And and getting to know you about, you know, is, is if, if you're just a constant gambler and losing kind of thing, you know, with your money, it it, it might not be wise because you want to commit to this and you want to be in it long enough to make it work for you. Right. It's not an investment product to keep your fingers crossed and hope the stock market goes up. It's not like that, you know? So, but it's also like Olivia said, don't, don't count yourself out. If you don't have much money, we have a lot of people who say, well, yeah, I just don't have enough money right now. So I can't start anything. I'm like, but if you want, let's at least look and see, because mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's not about how much extra money you have. It's about changing the flow of your money. I'll, I'll give one example about the debt. So, I mean, that's how I got started in the policy. My very first well, policy, and I first heard about the infant banking concept. Jason, yeah. Jason, let me pause right there for one second, because that's that's a great way for us to start. When we come back from break, let's take a brief break. And when we come back, Jason, you can follow up with understanding the money and, and creating those patterns of being wise with your money. So let's take a brief break. and We'll come right back. And guys, we're here with Unbridled Wealth, and we're talking about infinite banking. A supporter of today's Azria show is Azria Business Associate, Boomerang Capital Partners. They're coined as the best flip and lender, providing financing solutions to help fund your next fix and flip project. For more information, visit boomerangcapital.com. Okay, and we're back with Unbridled Wealth, talking about infinite banking. And if you're just now jumping on, you need to rewind and go back to the beginning and listen to what we have discussed because it has been a wealth of information. But Jason, let's continue on where you are at as far as understanding your money and what we need to do. Yeah, we were talking about just maybe it's about changing the flow of your money, not necessarily how much extra money do I have to come up with to start a policy like this. So i give you an example. We have a client who... He was $109,000 in bad debt, credit cards, student loans, and lines of credit. Okay. He was on the 30-year plan. We did the math. It was going to take him 30 years to pay it off. He also had a couple of rental properties, and he also had $20,000 in savings as an emergency fund. So kind of a, uh, you know, it's pretty typical for people to have, you know, savings, uh, emergency funds, 
but his debt situation, he did the same thing. He's like, I don't know how I could ever start something. So uh, what we did was we rearranged the numbers, right? We, we, we looked at how to start a policy with how to kickstart a policy with the 20 he had in savings. And so we started a policy with that. And then we paid off. We pulled a loan out right away from he had 15,000 in cash value accessible the first year. So we put 20 in, 15 right back out. And we paid off one of his credit cards that he was paying over $1,200, $1,250 a month on. So he freed up all of a sudden $1,250 a month. So what we did was took that money to pay off future premiums. So now we took money that he was already spending on credit cards. It was going out the window, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we got it paid off through his savings he already had. And now we had a way to pay that premium for the next 20 years if he wanted to. Now we restructured his credit cards. We do what's called snowballing, right? And show you how to stack your payments over time and, and accelerate paying it off. So he kept paying premiums into his policy year over year, and he kept borrowing the cash value each year from his policy to pay down chunks, larger chunks of his debt. I wish I could show you, but, and I will, if you give me a call sometime, but (laughs) we got him, we got him down to by the beginning of year five, all of his outside debt, we got rolled recaptured. I call it inside of his policy loan. Now he had a $65,000 policy loan at the beginning of year five. So let's be fair about it. So how do we pay off the policy loan now? Well, first of all, we freed up his outside debt. What does that do to your credit score? Good stuff, right? So yeah. And and banks don't look at your policy loans, by the way. They don't ask. They don't have have access to it. Right. And so now... We've got the $65,000 loan that we start paying off with all of the payments he was making to all of those different credits. Okay, he was making all of those monthly payments to those credit cards, lines of credit, student loans. So we took that money and start paying the policy loan back. Meanwhile, through this whole five years, and now he does that for an additional four years. By the end of, by the beginning of year nine, he had paid his outside debt off, right, in the first five, and then he paid his policy loan off. Through that whole nine years, remember, he was paying his premiums. And at the same time, he's paying his premiums, his cash value is increasing. Each month, he pays a premium. And at the same time, he's paying back the policy loan, his cash value is increasing that much more. So this guy started out with $109,000 in debt on a 30-year plan. We got him to completely debt-free in and out of the policy in nine years. And guess how much cash value he had inside the policy at the end of the nine years? Any wild guesses? Uh, $98,000. Wow. wow. So, so I said, you, should, you, you talk to somebody like that and say, man, you bust your butt for 30 years paying off debt. And what do you have to show for it at the end? You're debt-free. That is great. That is right. a good thing. But what if you were debt-free and you had $100,000 to show for it? At the same yeah, time. A big and all he did all of that with no extra money. That was all money wow. that was already sitting there. So it brought up a couple of questions. So if I could s- snowball a couple really quick. So one, you said one, nine years, right? If you're, if you're new to the business, 
sounds like forever. It's a process, right? That consistency, it goes by quick at the end of the day. So that that's a great path that you showed that person, man. That's awesome. So another thing we, you guys mentioned was, hey, the, you know, the banks don't know about the loan, right? So, which is cool. So it's not on your credit. It doesn't hurt your debt to income ratio. However, it sounds like at some point you're making good payments. Is there a way to get the policy to tell your credit that this is a good payer? Like we pay on time. Is that something? Hmm. So yeah, not really. Okay. There's a way to use it as collateral if you wanted to. Got it. But there's not really a way to tie it to your credit per se. Okay. But you can use it as collateral. So last question for real quick, not last, but so on my mind is, so we talked about what, how Olivia would say it, less than enough, right? Like, how do I get started? I came across some money and walk me through some scenarios, pay off debt, get better. Now, what about more than enough, right? I'm a daydreamer myself. I like the dream as, as RIA members are ambitious and they yeah. take action and, and they're going to grow and always, you know, do more deals. So what about the more than enough, right? We went through all these processes in the beginning. Now we're, we're growing the cash value. We're lending money. We're doing flips. And now we're like, what's the big picture? Like, where can we really take this? Like, how big have you seen people take this? And give us some examples. Do you want yeah. to talk about Stan, Olivia? Okay, sure. Yeah. So one of our founders, Stan Bullis, he's doing this on a mega level, meaning he has six personal banks. He is personal the policies. Ma- personal policies. Thank you. He is the majority owner of 25 companies. Each company has a policy on him. Each building, nine or 10, 10. each property has a policy on him as well. So they're running mortgages through policies as of right. And then also my other hat is the director of the nonprofit, Unbridled Axe. And so there's two policies that we as Unbridled Axe and nonprofit own on him as well. So at a minimum, if he passed away, if he got hit by a bus today, we would have a big party. He's worth a lot of money dead. <laughs> and just, you know, and that's part of the legacy of what he's created. And, mm-hmm. and so there's going to be, as of today, a $50 million payout because of all of those companies and owning those. So that's mega, mega level. But for the average bear that is trying to get to a mega level, what are some of the benefits? Well, it can operate like long-term care insurance. So you have access to the death benefit while you're alive to help pay for long-term care. Your typical long-term care insurance policy would have a lot of regulations on how to use that money and how to access it, whether it's going into a retirement home or any of that. With your policy, there's only qualifying events to access that money, but no regulation on how you use it. So that means if you need in-home care, you could pay for one of your children to look after you rather than paying a nurse to look after you. You could, if you're diagnosed with an unfortunate terminal illness and you're like, you know what, forget chemo, I'm going to take on a a major trip around the world. You can do that. They're not going to tell you how to use your money because they know, again, at the end of the day, this is life insurance. They know there's going to be a payout at the end of the day. So you may as well have access to that while you're alive. Other mega terms for that is using, setting this up to be a retirement. Um, retirement account. Where, and that's the point where you're taking loans out with no intention of paying the loans back. And the loans will eventually be reimbursed by the, the eventual, I call it graduation benefit, the death benefit. And so that's setting up a policy of you're going to live off of, I was running numbers for a couple the other day who are approaching more than enough. 
And I'm like, let's try and break this. You And I broke it at $200,000 living off of not paying taxes on it because it's a loan to living mm. off of $200,000 from age uh, 70 to 95. And which is a year, a year. Yeah. Wow. Living off of $200,000 wow. a year. And that their end payout at this point, if they, they stick to their plan, they'll have put in $800,000 and they'll be pulling out more than double what they've paid into the policy. So that's where this gets really fun of, you know, we're not just planning for your, your 10 year goals. We're looking at your 50 year goals as well and accomplishing all of that through one vehicle. So it's saying, and you know, a lot of folks think like, oh, I need to wait until I'm there to get started. Everyone I've yet to meet a client who says, uh, who hasn't said, I wish I'd done this 10 years ago. So even if you're starting small, don't discard like your small beginnings. Start now with something because compounding interest will take over and and have a significant payout later. Start with something small now, and then you can build up to when you're in the land of more than enough. We can have a lot of fun and structure other policies to accomplish different things. So we have clients doing everything from a hundred bucks a month, like Olivia mentioned, to, you know, I've got a client doing 190000 a year. You know, one of, one of Stan's policies that Olivia mentioned is 400000 a year. You know, so uh, what's your capacity, I guess? Right. Um, because once you get it, you get it. And then you go, I mean, how much money can I put in here? You know, and you're trying to find ways to fit more money in there. We didn't talk about, you know, early on, we talked about, oh, well, the deficit the first year. And, and then the, the growth catches up the second, third year and the cash value exceeds the cumulative outlay, you know, somewhere between year six and 10 usually. But what we didn't talk about was what happens after that. We talked about the uninterrupted compounding year over year. That's where you fast forward in a policy, man, you know, we've got a a guy $25,000 a year into his policy and he's making that money work, right? He'll borrow it and, and, and do deals with it and make it work, right? But meanwhile, that policy, 20, 20 years in, He's going to pay $25,000 and it's going to grow 50, you know? And so, because it's compounded now so much that that momentum, that velocity is taking over. And there was a five-year period, I think he paid $52,000 into it because we had reduced premiums so much and it grew almost a half a million later. Now, who wouldn't do that at that point, right? I mean, sure, we all wish we could jump in right at that growth rate, but but still, that's why I start now. Start something, you know. I, I think I said wow more than any podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm wow. kind of mind. You're waiting for the bad news, and <laughs> the great news is there really isn't any. That's great. So, Amazing. so how how early can a person start? How late can a person start? So let's just say, uh, yeah, good you questions. know, I have kids that are, you know, eight, nine, ten, you know, in that range. Can can we start a policy with them at that age? You can. Yeah, I have client a client with a two and four year old that started basically two thousand a year policies on them that can act as an account for college or helping them start a future business or buying a first property. And you can be the owner of the policy until you say, all right, I'm going to give it to you now. And as a father, teach your kids about 
the banking process and how to utilize this vehicle. You mentioned before the show, the, the Rockefellers, they've passed wealth on for six generations now through these policies and people can tap the policies to start a business or pay for education and then pay those policies back. And that's how they've created a culture around this to continue growing those and, and passing wealth on up to depends on the carrier, but up to 75 year olds can have a policy issued on them. It's not quite as efficient as the growth on a 10 year old daughter. (laughs) Yeah. I I have a one year old that I'm planning to get a policy on soon. So there that's kind of the, the range I'd say one to 75, but it gets iffy as you get up there with, so almost everybody. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and if you happen to be uninsurable because of a health condition, if you have insurable interest on a family member, you can start a policy with them as the insured and you can still operate it as the owner of the policy. Just not have it be based on your life if you didn't qualify for some reason. Okay. So how do we get in touch with you guys? Because I know you guys did a webinar maybe a month ago, month and a half ago, they had great information. I'm guilty. I was in the webinar. I didn't follow up. I didn't take action. I apologize, but I will now. So Olivia, you can hold yeah. me to that. Okay. So how can people, yeah. How can people I'm going to implement the 24 hour rule. Um, so we all know that you know, you're most likely to do something if you do it within 24 hours. So call a buddy, tell your husband, wife, spouse, whoever, say, hold me accountable. I just want to send these folks an email in the next 24 hours. That's the best way. You can reach us on the Azria website. We have contact information there. You can book a Calendly. All of our Calendly links are on there. So you can book an initial something with us. But I'd say just reach out, send an email or book a Calendly within the next 24 hours. Then the ball's rolling and the ball is then in our court to follow up with you. You've done your part. And so we can get that initial conversation started. So So hold me accountable, Olivia. Okay. Send me out the link again. All right. I'll make sure I get it filled out and get on the calendar. Sounds good. And And I believe every ASRIA member, everyone that's listening to this podcast need to at least explore it and see what Unbridled Wealth can do for you because this is this is a wealth of information. Like Mike said, you never said wow as many times in any other podcast because it's it's information like this as investors, we need to know to empower us to be better investors, be better parents, be better daughters, sons, things like that, business owners. So guys, I really thank you and appreciate all the information that you guys provided today. Mike, any any last words in parting here? Yeah, just yeah, make sure to go to azria.org, um, go to our business associates. Is there like a website or you guys are on online somewhere as well, right? Yeah, yeah. You can go to Yep, you can include our that website or one of our emails in the podcast notes if you want. I'm usually at the the meetings that are in person, so you can see me there. But yeah, email is probably the best way to get in touch. Awesome. And then what was the name of that? The, the, can you see another book besides this one? Anyone, you should, do you have any resources you recommend anyone to read or you yeah. guys something that they can download or you could email? Yeah. So you can ask for free infinite banking primer. That's what I'm calling it. It's about three pages and gives how we structure policies, actual real estate example, some of the different uses. 
there, there's a book called The And Asset. It's $1 on Kindle. And I think that that also provides great introduction to the topic too. Cool. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. Appreciate you guys being here. Or everyone. All right. So guys. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yep. You have, you have assignments. All of our lists go to Unbridled Wealth, get the infinite banking primer that Jack just spoke about. Uh, it's the three, the three page um, PDF that answers your questions. The and asset. That's a book that you can start reading right there. Become your own banker. That's another book because we know as investors, all of us, we love to take action. So here's three action items that you can take. Four, actually, you can also get the free consultation with Unbridled Wealth by, you know, we'll have, we'll make sure that we have the link in the show notes and the podcast and on YouTube. So you got four things that you guys can do. Get out there, take action. You want to be better investors as Rhea and Unbridled Wealth partner together to make sure you can become that better investor. Awesome. So in parting, you guys know what to do. We're providing quality content for, for you. Make sure you give us a view. That way we know that we're providing the resources and the information that you need. You can always go to asrea.org slash calendar to get all of the information about upcoming events, all of the uh, events that Asria puts on, the subgroups, monthly meetings, everything like that. We're a community that loves to give and provide, and we welcome you. If you're a guest, come on, be a member. What are you waiting for? We have family with open arms, ready to love you, hug on you, and make you become better and better. Awesome. And parting, Mike, let's take it away. Uh, Adios. Thank you so much. What was that? Thanks for listening to the Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.